Praise the Lord. It's good to be back. I know it's been a while uh, since I was here last. Am I on? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. You're making me nervous, Pastor Rigo. I was on. He's got a backup mic ready and everything. He says I wasn't on. Now I'm loud. Praise the Lord. It's good to be back. Um, I know it's been a while uh, since I've been here. Um, somebody that I was speaking to earlier in the services, Pastor's been too long since you were last here. And uh, it's true, but now since the merge, it's going to allow me to travel a little more. I usually travel about once a month, but now with Pastor Leo and I pastoring together, it frees me up a little more uh, to go ahead and, and travel and visit the churches. Uh, so it's Mercy's birthday today. Praise the Lord. It's also Lori's birthday, my wife's birthday. And we're not going to say how old either one of them are because they look at least in their 20s. So we're not going to go beyond that. We'll leave it at that. Praise the Lord. You know, back to that testimony of, uh, of the tithe that was shared. That was so impactful. And I'll tell you why. Because what that lady received while being in the street and not having anything, that's a revelation of what tithe is. And many people sit in church week after week, month after month, year after year, battling with giving God 10%. And that's unacceptable. Our tithe doesn't even belong to us. The tithe belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. And the fact that a homeless woman received revelation of what the tithe is, for those who do tithe, that should increase your faith and your desire to give. For those of you who don't tithe, what the heck are you waiting for? I mean, I'm, I'm speaking in all honesty this morning. We act like if what we have is ours. And if we didn't act that way, then we wouldn't have a problem with giving God his 10%. Because the truth of the matter is we don't give our tithe, we pay our tithe. Did you catch that? We don't give our tithe, we pay our tithe. And with that testimony, and I'm glad it wasn't prayed here this way, I hope we never pray, Lord, bless those who can't give. Think about that. Those who can't give, then that means God didn't do what? He didn't provide. And do we not believe in a God who provides? How many of you say amen? I know this wasn't on my message, but hey, this is what it is. It's the truth. Because that testimony was life. And I don't know how anybody would be able to listen to that and then either not give or grudgingly give. Man, it's time we wake up and start realizing the power of God and the power of life that testimony gave to that homeless woman. That she would take not knowing, not where she was going to stay that night or the next night, she did not know where her next meal was coming from. And she was cut to the heart by truth, by life. And she took and she said, here is my tithe. That is absolutely amazing. And what we see there is that widow who gave of the two mites, that life revisited all over again. Because all of us give out of our abundance. But that woman gave out of her poverty. And Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached... This woman will be spoken about. And I hope that everyone here today would hear that testimony and speak that specific testimony 
over and over and over again. Because this guy right here, he will say it. Not more than once. He will say it over and over and over again. Because I just saw a modern day testimony of that coming to life today. So on a side note, I hope everybody here realizes that what we have, it all belongs to God. And if we in fact truly believe that, we're not going to fight. We're not going to grudgingly give our 10%. We're going to honor God with all that is His. And we are not going to hold back God's blessing over our life. I'm going to say amen. 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 Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for all the things that have taken place here today, Lord. The time of worship and your presence, oh God. The ability, Lord, the privilege to, to honor you with song, with our lives, with our heart, oh God, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, the, the, the privilege to stand here together, Lord, and remember your sacrifice. Father God, the, the honor, Lord, to be here together in your name, gathered together, Lord, because of what you've done in our lives. Father, we pray now, Lord, that you would speak to our lives. I pray that your word be glorified, that your word be exalted, and that your word have its way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. From the moment that I saw the, the series entitled The, the, the uh, Diary, of a, Diary of a Wimpy Christian I, on social media, I got to tell you, it kind of it, it caught my attention. And that's the thing. I hope that's why they did it. You know, it, it really catches uh, your attention. And the moment I saw it on social media, I was intrigued. And I was intrigued not because it was a catchy title, but rather I wanted to see how it would develop. I wanted to see how it would unfold because if, if, you, ever, if you saw the movie, and I, I have children, I've seen that movie, it deals more with wimpiness and the kid, you know, all his ups and downs in life, just basically how he, how he gets run over by life itself. But as your pastor informed me from the beginning, the intention wasn't to point out the, the quote-unquote wimpiness that some Christians have or don't have, but rather it was a call, uh, an action to be bold. To take your stand in the Lord. And he was sharing with me some of the titles that, that have been shared. And I was kind of honored to, to come during this, this series and share uh, with, with that title and with that theme. Um, now, I don't know if he gave the definition of wimp, but I'm a kind of guy that likes to do research and definitions and all that stuff. But if you look up the word wimp, it, it's defined as a weak or timid person. Now, I don't know how many people here can identify with that. But by nature, believe it or not, I am a timid person. I am. You may not believe that, but I, by nature, I am or I was. Now, you know, I'm ministering in the Lord and my life is kind of engulfed by, by God and what he has for my life. And I've learned not to be that way anymore or a, a certain type of timidness that hinders you from, from interaction and things like that. That was me, believe it or not. I was a timid person. If you knew me, I didn't kind of come off that way. But if you didn't know me, I was extremely shy and timid. But wimpy goes beyond that. It's a, a timidness or a weakness that inhibits the person from developing, from becoming mature, from becoming the person that they're supposed to be. Now, throughout the early stages of my Christian walk, I was a wimpy Christian. I was a very wimpy Christian. I didn't, I didn't live what I said I believed. I constantly had a struggle with what I read and what I was living. Believe it or not, I went to church and I struggled in church. 
because I heard what was preached every week, and the re I knew the reality that I wasn't able to live those things out. And the reason why I wasn't able to live those things out is because I wasn't willing to live those things out. Why? Because I preferred the things of this world over the things of the Lord. I enjoyed my life in the world. And I don't know if you've been in church too long, but how many of you used to enjoy your life in the world? Show hands. I mean, that you really enjoyed your life in the world? That's, that's, that's all right. And that's truth. And just because you come to church doesn't mean that you don't remember those days and say, that lifestyle pleased my flesh. Because it did. A life in the world pleases the flesh. It fulfills the momentary desires that the flesh longs for. And that's all the world could do. Fulfill the momentary pleasures of this passing life. And that's why many people find themselves in a vicious cycle. Because it's just a momentary pleasure. You feel that momentary pleasure and after a moment, that momentary pleasure arises again. And you go back to it again and again and again. It's like an addict. They have a desire, they have a need, they need a fix. They get that fix, they come off their high, they hit a bad low, and immediately after that, they're looking for their next fix. And it's a cycle, it's over again and again and again. And that's the way I was when I first came to the Lord. I enjoyed my life in the world. I enjoyed being someone who satisfied their sinful pleasures and desires. That's all I knew. That's all I was exposed to. And it was hard for me. It was hard for me to look at my life in the world, my life prior to Christ, and realize, yes, I don't want to go to hell, but I don't know if I'm willing to forego my old life for this new life that Jesus says he has for me. I was literally in a battle. I didn't know what to do. I really wasn't willing to surrender it all to the Lord. So the fact of being bold... That intimidated me. And my prayer is that this message might reach out to those people who maybe find themselves kind of like in spiritual limbo. I didn't say purgatory. That doesn't exist. Right? But a spiritual limbo in the sense of, do I serve the Lord with all I have? Do I just play church? You know, do I go to church a couple times a week? Do I come and have coffee with the pastor? And booze with the devil. <laughs> Do I kind of share my life with God? And not that I go out and live like a crazy person, but that I indulge myself. And I want to tell you what, that's just as bad. And that's the enemy being subtle in the way only he can be subtle. And that's how he deceives multitudes. People who say to themselves, well, I'm not, I'm not a bad person. But we're not willing to live our lives sold out for God. We want to go to church. We want to live our lives. And the truth of the matter is, when you come to Christ, this is no longer your life. You know, we say, oh, my life. My... We don't have my life. We have the life that Jesus gave us. And we're called to be good stewards of that life. To administer that life properly. In a way that would glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But the moment we come to that cross and we recognize that salvation is only found in Him. That the forgiveness of sins can only come through Him. 
The moment we take the step of water baptism and put to death the sinful nature, the moment we ask the Holy Spirit to fill our lives and empower us, the moment we do those things, this is no longer our lives. We are living out the life that he has provided for us. And that's a cold dose of reality. But unless we know that, unless we receive that, unless we acknowledge that, we're never going to be bold. We're never going to take the stand that God has for us. I said to you earlier that I kind of had, it wasn't really one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord. I had two feet in the Lord and two feet in the world, if that makes sense to you. Because there there, I wasn't like walking like that all the time. I wasn't being tugged. No, there was times where I was sold out and then times where it was all about me. Where you would have no idea that I was a Christian. And then there was times in my life where you would look at my life and say, man, what a godly young man. Because if you have one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord, you can kind of tell. You know, it's a very big unbalance. But there are so people who are so manipulative that they can live with two feet in the Lord. Then another day, they live two feet in the, in the world and in themselves. And that's the way I was. And it was a big struggle for me. And I know that there's people like that. I know that there's people sitting in churches like that. I don't know, and I know it's quite possible that there might be people in here today that are like that. No, but to say it in Spanish, ¿Atacuando? Until when? How long are we going to keep living life that way? How long are we going to keep playing that game? How long are we going to keep playing church? I pray that through these series of messages that have come forth, and, and today being one of them as well, that a clear line in the sand is drawn, and we decide. It's all about the decision we make and the determination that lies within us to live by those decisions. That's called Conviction. To be men and women of conviction who believe in something so much that they're going to take a stand. The fruit of my life defined who I was. The fruit of your life defines who you are. And for me, if I'm going to look at the definition of wimp, a weak or timid person that can't go on to be the person that God has called him to be, by definition, I was a wimp. Because I was weak, I would not, I could not take that stand that I needed to take. Because at the end of the day, it's not what you say, it's not how you feel. You can't run away from the fruit that your life produces. You can't explain it away. You cannot excuse your way out of it. Or you can't look to pass the blame. Each one of us has to give an ongoing account to God as to what our relationship with Him is or is not producing. Each one of us. Your life produces something and you can't say, well, that's not what it is. It's like an avocado tree. An avocado tree produces what? Avocados. You can't expect an avocado tree to give mame. Impossible. You can't stand under, under an avocado tree expecting an orange. Right? That just sounds silly. It sounds foolish. Why? Because an avocado tree produces avocados. Well, a life who belongs to the Lord, guess what that produces? The evidence. The evidence that God inhabits there. The proof that they are the dwelling place of Almighty God. It, it, it's not because you try there. You don't sit there and go, you don't do that. You ever see an avocado tree go, mm -mm, 
no. It produces it. And there's people in churches trying to be Christ-like. You don't try to be Christ-like because Christ dwells in you. You produce the fruit of Christ. When you find yourself stressed, oh, no, oh, I can't. Stop. Reevaluate the situation. What is that vessel intaking? What is it being fed? What is that vessel opening itself up to? Because if you're opening yourself up to the Lord and the things of the Lord, guess what your fruit is going to be? You're going to have good and lasting fruit. By nature, that's just the way it is. And Jesus said, a, a tree shall be known by its fruit. Not by its leaves. Not by the shade. It get, no, no, no. Not by its bark. No, no, no. A tree shall be known by its fruit. And in like manner, that's our lives. We're going to be known by our fruit. At the end of the day, when we come before the Lord, you're not, we, we're not going to have to and we can't say anything. Hopefully we appear before the judgment seat of Christ. But those people who appear before the judgment seat of Christ, it's not like, hey, prepare what you have to say to God. Prepare your reasons why you should inherit eternal glory. No. When we, when we arrive in eternity to be judged, our fruit will be there. The fruit will be on display. Well, but Lord, no, 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 but Lord, nothing, nothing, but Lord, what happened, that doesn't count anymore. It is what it is. Why do you think Jesus said what? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Yes. Prepare now for eternity. Don't wait till then and say, oh, this is what I got. Man, do I got a speech prepared for the Lord when I arrive before the Lord. Forget about that. Our lives now are preparing the way into and for eternity. The lives that we live now will determine how glorious eternity will be or will not be for us. Here's one more definition of wimp that I kind of left out on purpose because it's the one that impacted me most and the one I want to focus on. Definition of a wimp is ineffectual. A wimp is someone whose life has no effect. You see, being bold is not about being the loudest. Being bold is not coming up with the best catchphrases. The coolest tweets. Or the most shared uh, statuses on Facebook. Being bold is about how effective you are in this life. And I'm glad she shared that testimony, but whether she shared that testimony or not, that life proves that it's an effective life. Being bold has nothing to do with the fireworks and the hoopla and the attention. Because if we're not being effectual, in fact what we are is we're wimps. You ever, heard of, you ever seen a loud wimp? I, look, on, on Facebook you see good things and bad things and stuff that people post up there that you're like, why am I even friends with these people? Or same thing on Instagram, you're like, what the heck? I've had to remove people from Instagram because my kids have open access to my phone. And I know some people that don't know the Lord that I'm trying to kind of minister to. And because of the crap that they put on there, I've had to delete them. And one of them said, hey, man, why'd you delete me? I said, because my phone is open access to my kids and I don't want my kids put, seeing the stuff you put up there. So I apologize. 
But something happened like six months later. He just he said to me, hey, I just want to let you know that I had to clean up my Instagram because my daughter saw my Instagram. And my Instagram is now safe for your eyes and my kids' eyes. Listen, you'd be amazed of how effectual you can be, of how bold you can be without necessarily screaming at anybody or telling anybody to listen to you just by living out your life. Back to that, that wimpy, wimpy uh, loud person. Somebody posted up there a video of this guy, huge, big guy filled with tattoos, down, you know, the pants down, past the crack, and he took his shirt off, and there was this little, scrawny kid walking by a field, and they were videotaping him, and, and the, the big guy just started mouthing off at the kid. I mean, just expletives, and just, it was terrible. And I'm watching, and I'm, and I'm saying to him, why am I watching this? So he just starts going off on the skinny kid, and he must have said something, because you really can't understand a lot of what he's saying. He must have said something that just struck a chord in this thin young man's body. I mean, just, he was at least a foot and a half smaller than this guy. Where that kid just started, I mean, just started walking straight to that guy. And I knew that this was going to be a wimpy, bold guy, because when he was mouthing off, yeah, he's going forward. And when that kid started coming at him, he, he went back and he stopped. And that, I was going to say that little kid, but he's little. I mean, he's just a short young man. Just started coming at him, walking. And he started walking to him. And this big guy just wailed back. And all this, the, the short kid did was duck. He picked him up, took him down. Punched him three times and gave him three, I mean, headbutts. That I thought the kid was going to go into a concussion. He picked up that big guy and just went, bam, bam, bam. Knocked him out. He was like, it's cold. It was like a fish. And then just walked away. He didn't gloat over. He just went, bam, bam, bam. And just walked away. And you see the guy with the video comes watching. Everybody's just saying. You think that guy on the floor, his life will ever be the same? It'll never be the same. Because he was a loud wimp. He was a loud wimp who took advantage of people based on what he saw. And there was that young man who was bold, quiet. Didn't, he didn't say a word. But he let his fists and his head do the talking. I'm not condoning fighting, but I like a good fight every now and again. <laughs> Some things I want to speak of today. Because we, look, we live in a time where people like to overlook results. And how bold you are is determined by the results of your life. People like to overlook the results. They want to put everybody on the same field so nobody gets offended. On a side note, my kid had a graduation from pre-kindergarten into kindergarten. What the heck is that? Who graduates from pre-K? In my lifetime, there were two graduations, high school, and if you were lucky enough, college. 
Now every year is a graduation. When my kids graduate from high school, they're like, what's a big deal? I've done it 11 years already. Recently, there was a thing that hit the national news because there was a football game, a high school football game that ended 91 to 0. And one of the parents whose team lost 91 to 0 wanted to sue the school for being a bully. Listen, bullying is a terrible thing. That's a very serious subject. That's not bullying. I did some research. I Googled it. I looked it up. The coach whose team won 91 to 0, in the beginning of the second quarter, his starters played one quarter of football. For those of you who don't follow football, football is four quarters. In the beginning of the second quarter, took out his entire starting team, put in second and third players. And they continued to wipe the field with these people. Kids, listen, if you were ever a third teamer, how often did you play? Be honest. How? Never. You were on the team so you can carry the water cooler and give people water. So the third teamers get in the game and they're what? <laughs> we're playing today. We're actually playing. It was so bad that the coach who won told the referees to allow the time to continue to run, not to stop it. He asked the other coach if they wanted to stay. He said, no. So he let his kids play. Listen, bullying is a terrible thing, but that's not bullying. That's one team who unfortunately is not very good. It's the truth. But we don't want to look at the other team and say, you're not. I didn't say they're terrible. I didn't say that. They're just not very good. We live in a society where you can't be not very good. Everybody has to be great. And we celebrate mediocrity. What the heck are we coming to? They want to overlook results. People who are willing to lower the standards so that no one feels left out. As I said earlier, where mediocrity is celebrated. And for the sake of people not being offended, the reality of failure is not spoken of. Listen, these aren't just things that happen in society. They happen in church. Where pastors are scared to talk on sin. Scared to teach on tithing because people are going to get offended. Well, then that isn't the church for you. Well, holiness is not spoken of because we live in a modern day culture. What the heck modern day? 20 years from now, you're going to be just as old as the people you're criticizing. As you get older, you realize, man, I'm older now than when my parents were. And I said, they were old and, I, and ancient. My kids think I'm an ancient relic. I can't say words that they use or they, they never use those words again. Those things are happening within the church where we look at mediocre and ordinary and we celebrate those things. That's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus shared. Jesus preached and lived a result-oriented life. Or do you not remember the parable of the talents? 
three servants. He gave one of them one talent. And when that person came back with one talent, having not lost what was given, he said, get away from me. You worker of iniquity. How dare you know how I am and not do anything with that? Just go ahead and bury it. There's people sitting in churches who bury their salvation. They say, oh, I'm saved. Praise God. That's just between me and God now. It's like politics and religion. We don't talk about What the heck are you talking? Where'd you come up with that? If you want to keep your political views to yourself, go ahead. But don't keep your salvation to yourself. Oh, you see, that's personal. What? You think what Jesus did on the cross, cross hanging naked on the cross was personal? That was public shame for you and me. How dare we keep it to ourselves because we're embarrassed, because we're weak, we're timid, we're ineffectual. The time has come for the people of God to rise up and be the people that God has called them to be. That's all we have to be, people. That's all we have to be. We just have to be that for which Christ has laid hold of us. We have to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of us. That's all we got to do. You don't have to be like your pastors. You don't have to be like the leaders. You have to be you. You have to be the person that God has called you to be. You can't be anything less than that. And anything less than that cannot nor should it be glorified. Should it be acceptable? Should it be celebrated? If your desire is to be bold, then be established in Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. Because the fruit of your life will bear witness of whom you believe in and in whom you serve. You don't have to say much. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, Hey, I know you're a Christian. And you never said that to them? That was me all day. Hey, and for me, it's a pastor. Hey, I know you're a pastor. I never said anything. Word spreads. That's because people talk about you. Good or bad, people talk about you. And when someone comes to you and says, hey, I know you're a believer, that's because they've been talking about you. And I pray to God that our lives have been effectual so that when they speak about us, good or bad or indifferent, whether they know about it or not, that they say, this person says they believe in God and I don't see anything otherwise. Not, this person says this, but we all know how they live. Being bold has little to do with your character. How many shy people in your show of hands? You might be too shy to raise your hand. Praise God for being bold enough to raise your hand. Maybe in week one, we wouldn't have raised our hands. There's some of us in here that are shy people, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean you can't be bold. Being bold has, not, has little to do with your character. It's more about the grasp and willingness that you have regarding God's call over your life. Because listen, everybody battles with something. Some of us battle with that character in us, that trait that maybe prohibits us or inhibits us from being quote-unquote bold. It all comes down to your grasp and your willingness to be bold, to be effectual. Whether you will say to the Lord or not, Lord, despite my fears, I will trust in you and I will do what you tell me to do. Listen, we read stories in the Bible and we think that these people were spiritual giants. Listen, they are, but they were regular people just like you and me. 
You don't think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a battle with saying no? Of course they did. If you think they just said, hey, yeah, let's go take a dive in the fire. You've lost your mind. I'm sure there was a battle within them. But they came to the conclusion, we're either going to honor God or honor man. And as crazy as this is, we won't bow our knees. And I can imagine what Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm giving you one more chance. Those guys said, don't you move your knee. I won't move if you don't move. You know, like you do something crazy with other people and you say, one, two, three, and you don't jump, you watch them. <laughs> there was turmoil in the lives of those young men. Listen, the exile, they didn't experience the nastiness of the exile. They grew up in the king's court. They had lavish lifestyles. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had great lives. Even their identity, Hebrew identity, was removed from them. And they had to decide. And it, I'm sure it was a difficult decision. And when you read stories like that, don't just skim through that and say, Wow, one day. One day what? You want to be thrown into a fire? Those young men struggled. But they had a relationship with God. They had an effectual relationship with God. That's why they were able to be bold. Not because at the moment they decided to be bold. No, because their lives had been effectual to that point. Don't wait for the moment of truth to say, Oh, I'm going to be bold then. The heck you are. You will not be bold. You will crumble miserably under the pressure. Because if our lives are not being effectual now... What makes you think it's going to be effectual when the limelight is on you? When the spotlight is on you? When the fingers are pointing at you? If we're not effectual now, if we're not bold now, we're not going to be bold then. So let's prepare ourselves now to be bold, to be effectual, to arise. Turn to Isaiah chapter 60, if you would, please. Because there's an aspect to being a bold believer that I want to expound on. It's actually one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For those of you who are waiting for that big moment to be bold. For those of you who are waiting. For that quote unquote season. You know people. Oh that season. Yeah that season. Yeah, the season is now man. The time is now. For those of you who are waiting for that big opportunity. That moment to be bold. I love the way this scripture addresses the glory of God. It says arise shine. For your light what? Has come. Not will come. It has come. And where is the glory of the Lord? It has risen upon you. Some of us, oh, the glory. Wake up. The glory of God is over your life now. Arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, those who are bold, they will arise. They'll rise up. 
They won't wait for tomorrow. Because they're so focused on today and their lives being effectual that they will take every opportunity to make sure that their life has an effect on someone, somehow, some way. Then there's people who want to shine. Everybody, right? Everybody wants to shine. But they're not willing to rise up. And that's just not going to work. There are people who don't want to take a stand just, but love to shine. They love to be the center of attention, but they're unwilling to shine. I mean, they're unwilling to rise up. Because we live in a time where people are so apprehensive about offending others that they fail to stand for truth. But when you take a stand, you, ha you, you have to realize that you will rub someone the wrong way. Sooner or later, your beliefs are going to offend the lost. Don't wait for that not to happen for you to be effectual, for you to be bold. If God is God, and if God is who He says He is, then live accordingly. Your lifestyle, the fruit of your life, the words of your mouth, your testimony will offend someone someday. Get ready for it. You may lose a close, quote-unquote, friend. A relationship that has lasted years. Get ready for it. You know, there's Christians who live, oh, should I be, hang out with this person? Listen, don't worry about that. God will take away the people from your life that don't need to be there. A call to rise up, to arise, to take your stand. You know, that's not only an invitation, that's a command. That word arise is a command. God is commanding us. Those people who want to be bold, who want to have an effectual life, He's commanding those people to rise up. The call to rise up is composed of four things, and I'm going to be quick with them. I got to start talking about fights on the internet and all I got carried away. The call to rise up is to maintain yourself pure. I love 1 Timothy 5 because it says, keep yourself pure. If you know people who quote-unquote struggle with purity, and they're on everybody's prayer list and accountability list, some people are on so much accountability list that they have no idea what they're signed up for. Purity falls on you. It doesn't fall on anybody else. I believe in accountability. But for those people who look for the excuse to say, keep me accountable, keep me accountable, you're not even keeping yourself accountable. In 1 Timothy 5, he says, keep yourself pure. You keep yourself pure. If there are things that contaminate your life, you decide that's not good for you. You separate yourself from it. Ask God, he'll give you the strength. But we're looking for everybody else to save us. Christ has laid down his life for us. Now live in that life. You maintain yourself pure. Purity falls on you, not anybody else. Those people who keep falling over and over again, there's no struggle taking place because there's no battle. You've just given yourself over for that. In every struggle, there has to be at least one time when you win. Right? Some people love to blame the world for everything. And I'm not going to do that. Because there's people in the church who have become complacent Christians. Lazy Christians. 
Bitter Christians. I know there's none of those here at New Life, but you should come to the way. There's a lot of them. Yeah, there are. Lazy people who don't lift a finger for the church or the Lord, but they always have a complaint anytime they do something in the church. I know there's nobody like that here. I know. But you do something new, let's say coffee with pastor. What is that? You've never shared a Coke with him. You paint the church. That's a little dark. Yet you've never even swept up the entrance of the church. Never even opened the door for somebody in church. Again, that's not here, so don't take it. I know that's over there at the way. Bitter Christians. You know those people always got that look on their face? You tell them to smile and say, I am. (laughs) Not here. Everybody's smiling. It's only the other way. (laughs) The joy of the Lord to them is like $10 million. They don't have either one of them. (laughs) Those people defile you. They, they, They damage your purity. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about in church. There's some people that come to the Lord, they repent, and they got more problems in the church because of the people in the church than they did in the world. I know that that's only other way. Don't worry about that. Watch out for stagnant Christians. You know those people that don't go forward and don't go back, they just stay right there? It's like in the Palmetto. Yeah? Like you're wondering, why isn't this traffic moving? And everybody just decides all at once to go take a look at the side. Stagnant Christians. Watch out for stagnant Christians. I say that they are often the cesspool for compromise. You ever been by a cesspool? Like scummy water, just stagnant. You know when you go to the Keys? That stagnant water that just reeks putrefies, and it just fills everything around it where you can't get it off of you. That's how stagnant Christians are. They are a cesspool for compromise. They've compromised, and they won't stop until everybody else compromises. And when somebody goes to rise up and be bold, they say, sit down. Now's not the time for that. Just relax. Don't stir up the pot. Then the pastors are going to expect this from us all the time. (laughs) Don't be defiled by the weed that sometimes grows amongst the wheat. Jesus called them the tares. There are people who declare themselves to be Christians, who have found a place within the assembly but are not the church at all. They found a place here but they're not part of the church. Number two, if you're going to rise up, you have to endure. Do I have any long-distance runners here today? Anybody? God bless you, both of you. Man, that's impressive. Three? Wow. See, they got something that I hate. It's called endurance. A desire to run. Who has a desire to run? It's something in them. 
But if a bear is ever chasing us, I'm down. I'm, I'm the appetizer. They're, they're, they've gone. They've made their way out. In this life, you have to get ready for the long haul. Look, I, 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 can, I can sprint with the best of them. I can sprint with the best of them for 50 meters. I'll, t- I'll go with anybody for 50 meters. After that, man, we're in trouble. And what's terrible is when you know that you have no endurance. If you do any form of activity, of exercise, they say, okay, we're going to run today. No! There's people like that in the church. That if Christ were to come the day after they got saved, man, they're, they're money. They have eternity in grasp. And I hope Christ comes tomorrow. But what if he doesn't? What if I have to live my entire life in faithfulness to God? Well, I better get ready for endurance. And those people who want to be bold, you better get ready for endurance. Keep pushing, keep pressing, keep going. Because if you fail towards the end, you still what? Still fail. Number three, be valid. Because when your convictions and your testimony are aligned, then your life will produce something great. Then your life will show that your life, in fact, is effectual. When your life is valid, it will have an effect. I promise you it will have a great ripple effect. You will impact more people than you can imagine. And finally... If you're going to arise, if you're going to be bold, you have to become powerful. And if you're sitting here today and you're saying to yourself, "There's no, that, that one's not for me, Pastor. I can't become powerful. Look, I had you on one through three. Listen, I'll be pure. I'll endure. I'll be right. Become powerful. Look, Pastor, that's just not in me. Do you know that all I've done today is take that word arise and define it by its four definitions? These four things are what it is to rise up. They're not catchy phrases that I've come up with. It's the definition of the command. If you're willing to be pure, if you're willing to endure, and you're willing to be valid, yet becoming powerful freaks you out and you say you can't, you're going to fail at all four. Because we can't separate one from the other. This is what it is to rise up. And that's why there's some people who are just hobbling through this life. Because there's certain things about their walk with God that they say to themselves, well, I just can't. Why not? Says who? Says you? Well, I choose to believe God. Last week I was preaching in my church and I, and I, I shared how, how much it, it ticks me off to hear people say, I'm just a sinner. What is a sinner? Someone who sins. Why did Christ die? To do away with the works of the devil. To destroy, to abolish sin. Why did we get baptized? To put to death the sinful nature. Why has the Holy Spirit filled us? To die to sin, to overpower sin. Why do we keep saying, I'm just a sinner? Well, you might say, I told the church, this is not you, this is for the way. I told the church, you might say you're just a sinner, but I'm not. I'll never call you a sinner, nor will I ever refer to myself as a sinner. I was a sinner prior to coming to Christ. And then if anybody has any problems with that, take it up with God, not with me. 
I will not be referred to as a sinner. I am a child of the living God. I've been sanctified. I've been redeemed. I've been filled by the Holy Spirit. How dare anybody call me a sinner? That's who I am. And when you hear the word become powerful, I pray to God that you say, yes, me. Because there's a command to be powerful. And if someone is commanding you to be powerful, what do you think they expect? They expect our obedience. When you think of power, don't think of what you can do. Think of who you will become. You will become bold when you realize that God empowers those who are willing to take a stand for Him. Stand with me if you would this morning. Where's the piano player? Just one other piano player. Play for me while I close. And as I close, I want to talk about that boldness because, and that aspect of being powerful because maybe you don't see yourself as a powerful believer. That's got to change. Because that strength, that power doesn't come from you. That power comes from God. And I understand if we were focusing on our strength to then evaluate ourselves and say, well, I may or may not be powerful. But I'm not talking about your strength or my strength. I'm talking about the very strength of God. Anybody here was ever considered a lost case, un caso perdido? Praise God. Praise God for the lost cases. Look where you're at now. Who would have ever thunk it? That you'd be standing here this day. Exposed to a life and a walk with God. So why should power be any different? It's like Gideon. He was a lost case. Yet when God saw him, He called him a mighty man of valor. When in fact Gideon was in a cave hiding from his enemies. Yet God saw him with different eyes. Just the same way God looked at all the lost cases with different eyes. God looks at you as you will be. And when he says to you, maintain yourself pure. When he says to you, endure. When he says to you, be valid. When he says to you, be powerful. Who's going to argue with God that you are to be those people? Don't be the only one arguing against yourself. Gideon was a man who could not believe God's command. He could not act alone. He needed a crowd. Until one day, he realized that God had given him the capacity, the ability to be a mighty man of valor. When Gideon believed it for himself, his life changed. His legacy changed. When you believe it for yourself that God has called you to be bold, when you believe it for yourself that he's placed a command over your life to have an, a life that has an effect, when you believe that for yourself, then you're going to start to rise up. Then you're going to start to be bold. Don't hide in the caves of this life. Don't allow fear to govern your life. Be sure of who God is and what He desires to be through you. 
I'm going to close with a thought from J.C. Ryle. He was a pastor and preacher, a bishop in the 19th century. This man lived from 1816 to 1900. I'm going to read an excerpt from one of his writings that he called Jellyfish Christianity. In the 1800s, he was dealing with this. If that poor man were alive today, Jellyfish Christianity, a Christian without bone, without muscle, without power. He called it an epidemic in his age. What would he say today? Decide today that that definition of Christianity will not define you. Husbands, decide today that as for you and your household, you will serve the Lord. Single moms, I honor you, make the same decision. That as for you and your household, you will serve the Lord. For those single people in here, keep your vessel in honor unto God. It falls on you, no one else. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not any ministry's responsibility to see to it that you live an effectual life. It falls on you and me. And the moment to rise up is now. I believe that these series of messages have been shared to this church in this time for a specific purpose. Don't miss the opportunity to be bold. There's some of us here who will be given one opportunity. One opportunity to change the life of someone. To have an impact on somebody's life. Don't throw it away. Recognize who it is that opens the door for you to make a difference in this society, in this world. You may be someone's last chance. Rise up. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to let anybody know what you're doing. Just do it for God. Do it because He's called you to do it. Do it out of gratitude unto God. Make sure that your life produces good and lasting fruit. Let's pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we stand before you today, O oh God. People who've had victories, people who've lost battles, people who have struggled, maybe some who have given up, Lord. But Lord, I believe in the power of your word. I believe in the work of your Holy Spirit. And I ask you now, Lord, by that name above all names and through the working of that spirit that hovered over the waters when it was formless and void hover over your people now oh God look at those who've lost their way who've become weak who've become timid who've lost the power to have an effect on others. 
I pray for them right now, Lord. Open their eyes. Speak life to them, O oh God. Raise them up, O oh God. Allow them to see that their light has come, that the glory of the risen Lord is currently over them. That they would take their stand, that they would gird their loins, O oh God. That they would be pure. That they would endure. That they would be valid. And in this very moment that they become powerful. That they would forego the noise and the hoopla. The center stage of it all. And simply live a life that has an effect. Lives that impact those around them. Lost or found. That there would be no prejudice. That the effect of their lives would ripple into eternity. That they would be known by their fruit. That the testimony of their lives would go before them. That the host of heaven and earth would fight for them and defend them every day of their life. That even if they be found in the cave hiding today, that your call over their life would draw them out. That boldness would resound amongst this congregation. May they be known for effectual lives. May they be known by the fruit of living bold lives for you. May your spirit empower them. May your word encourage them. And may your joy give them the strength they need every day until the day of your glorious return. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And together we say, Amen and Amen and Amen.